What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking. Let's get right into it. Today, guys, we are hopping into part two of our three-part mini-series on how to film a wedding, breaking everything down from start to finish, shooting, editing, delivery, everything, all of it, guys. I'm not, I'm not holding anything back in this three-part mini-series. Um, in last week's episode, we talked all about the filming and pre-planning aspect of the wedding day. I told you guys how I'm setting up my gear, uh, gear I'm using, communication with the couple, all of that stuff, um, how to set up yourself for success on the wedding day, and things I also do um, um, to prevent myself from getting stressed out or falling behind and stuff like that. If you haven't listened to that episode already, be sure to head down to the show notes and check it out before tuning into this episode. So editing, we're talking about editing today, um, and we're sticking behind the computer, nothing super fancy as far as um, uh, me trying to show you guys stuff. This is a podcast, so I'm going to talk about it as much as I possibly can and explain it in in voice, obviously. Um, editing is some people's favorite thing, um, it's some people's least favorite thing, and some people who just outsource it automatically. They love shooting weddings, and they understand that sometimes they're not going to make as much money as they could if they shot weddings and just outsourced the editing. There's a lot of really, really good editing companies out there. I know, um, like, uh, like, like WebPro is a good one. Our Ar- Theus Creative is a good one. Um, I plan on making an episode on me. I want to edit a wedding film how I would do it, and I also want to send it off, which is kind of you know counter business or counterintuitive, and send it off to an editing company and see kind of how our edits look, how they look, are they comparable? Do they kind of look the same? I'd be curious to know, um, and I'm excited to do an episode like like that in the future. But today, I want to break down how I edit each and every wedding film um, that I have, have the pleasure of capturing and how I make it specific to that couple and client. Okay, so jumping straight into our discussion today. First things first is you got a guy, you guys, you got a guys, you guys have to be backing up your footage into multiple places. Nothing aggravates me more than seeing creators, photographers, videographers that do not back up their footage. Like that is such sensitive content to where if you lose those files, it could completely change how you're altering and making a film. And also like you're gonna have to give money back. Like that'll be wasted time and and a profit loss for you for sure because you can't lose all your ceremony footage and then try to just not charge the couple the exact same thing um, that you were charging them for a fall, you know, delivery and edit and stuff like that. Um, so back everything up. I'm gonna explain to you a little bit of how I'm doing it. So basically, all my cameras except for my A6500 shoot on two SD cards. So I have them redundantly recording no matter what. When I come home, I will back up everything to my editing hard drive since it's a file that needs to be edited. And I have duplicate folders on there um, that I just have for wedding clients. And I just duplicate the folder and add it into um, into that drive. So basically just filming everything on the wedding day on those three cameras and uploading them to my editing drive. Now, I'll keep one set of the SD cards in my SD card case and I'm only using another set to offload that footage onto the editing drive. Then what I do is I take that footage and audio and I back it up to my HD drive, which is my 
just my literal backup drive. And this one is a 10 terabyte drive and I pretty much keep everything on there as only as a backup source or just completed finished projects. The editing drive for me only I only want to have what I'm currently working on. Now, some people do it as down to literally the only project they're working on. For me, I keep everything on it that needs to be edited. So if I'm four or five films deep in backlog, all of those are going to live on there. Same thing with wedding galleries as well. Um, for me, I also have a third drive, which is literally just the same exact HD drive as my second one that is just a clone copy of the backup. So... You know, I take my editing drive away from my office sometimes if I'm going to go edit at Starbucks or, you know, if I have to go shoot a wedding somewhere else and I want to do a little work that Friday night before or something, I'll keep that editing, editing drive with me. So basically everything would only be living on that, that, that single HD drive. Now, I back it up and I make a clone copy of it um, basically just so that, God forbid, something happens. I'm backing myself up. I get these pretty much every yeah every December, which is like the worst month for my business specifically because all of my like financial stuff review um, renews in December. So like all my music subscriptions, uh, my CRM subscription, I get drives in December. So it's like and it's a busy month here, and I kind of scheduled it that way on purpose. That way, it's not happening in like July or August when it's a little bit slower in Florida because of the heat. Um, so at least I can say, okay, this wedding I'm working this month is accounting for all of my fixed operating expenses for the entire year. So I buy two drives every single year, and then I keep my my editing drive. That's I just keep that one. I don't ever rebuy that one. I don't have to. It doesn't always. I've never even come close to half max capacity, and I've never dropped or anything like that. So it's it's always safe in a nice case whenever I do travel with it. And then guys, I'm also uploading it to Google Drive. Just having an online source because these are two physical presents. If all three of these are in my house at one time, we have to you know hope for the best, expect the worst. If my house were to burn down tomorrow. I know you're thinking like, wow, this dude's house is burning down. He's talking about footage on his drive. But to the couple, that's the most important day in their life. So for me, I'm backing everything up to Google Drive as well, um, just so I can have that online presence in space um, so that if something does happen or my house does burn down, I can still finish projects without losing money and having to give money back to couples and stuff like that. So that is my total back it, backup and storage solution for wedding films. How often do you find yourself scanning through your Excel spreadsheet, forgetting where you're at with a lead or job? Well, those days are over. I want to introduce you to Tave. Tave is my customer relationship management system, or CRM for short. Gone are the days of losing track of jobs, leads, or hand typing out every single email that you send to your clients. Every morning when I step into my office, the first thing I do is pull up Tave. Tave allows me to keep track of all my jobs and leads send out automated emails, send and receive signed contracts, and even keep track of my analytics when it comes to the aspect of my sales. And these are just a few examples of the benefits I receive from Tave. If you currently don't have a CRM, I would highly recommend Tave. Navigate to the show notes down below and you'll get two free months, guys, allowing you to fully access the CRM and get the full experience of how it can benefit you in your business. Anyways, guys, let's hop right back into the episode. Okay, so everyone has their own system on how they edit wedding films. For me, I use a checklist system so I can keep every film consistent and efficient. I have a whole podcast episode breaking down this checklist 
way more in detail than I'm going to go into this episode and why I do them in this order and how I do them. Um, I will link that episode down in the show notes below. So there's two episodes down there, guys. But I want to run through it really quickly just to explain my process before I get into how I'm, um, you know, specializing each film itself. So first things first, we're going to organize all the clips into subfolders. Um, this is everything from ceremony B-roll to reception, groom prep, bride prep, all this, everything that's not, um, that doesn't have a dialogue behind it that I need to sync audio. Um, then we'll call all that when calling just means just breaking everything down into, um, subsequential and just using the actual, um, footage, um, like the actual clips within the clip that you want to use. So just calling it and cutting off the fat in essence. Then I'll sync all the audio, bring all that stuff in. I'll call the synced audio sections, then I'll drag all the all the high quality dialogue, all the important parts that I know tell the story that I'm gonna want to use in the film into the highlight film sequence. At this point, I'll usually, if I haven't already searched for music beforehand um, and found something that I thought would resonate with the couple, or I did, and I think that doesn't do as well now that I've actually gone and shot the wedding, I will search for music. Um, usually, I try to find two or three songs from the start that I know I can like um, master together well so I can transition it well without having to focus so much on um, you know just fading it out and fading another one in if there was no big awesome kiss or there was no moment you could think in your head where you can jump into a faster paced song or randomly switch into a slower paced song you can go song by song um, I just don't always recommend it because you may find yourself in a pickle where you're really having to dig deep for a song um, to find something that can kind of mesh really well after this, I simply will create the cinematic edit, which is what I'm going to go a little bit more in detail today. Um, I'll color grade, I'll color correct it, I'm sorry, I'm color correct it, then color grade it. I'll apply my sound design to the to the timeline, I'll apply any sort of lens distortion effect, so, you know, light leaks, um, glass distortions, stuff like that, uh, maybe fogs or rains or anything like that. I'll put on my cinematic bars, I'll check all the dialogue audio, and then I'm pretty much done and I'm exporting and, and stuff like that. Um, that's a quick breakdown, guys. And honestly, I also am keeping notes throughout all of this. Um, some of my best shots, though, like, I'll put in there, like, if there was a really, really nice venue shot, I'll put in there, like, the, the clip shot. And then at the end of the year, I try to go back, you know, all the 30-plus things, and I'll find all the best venue shots and maybe do, like, a little small venue edit bride edit, best groom edit, stuff like that that you can just use for social media to maybe grab some traction and give you guys some followers. So that is quickly the checklist that I'm using. Um, not going crazy in detail. Like I said, you guys can listen to the other podcast episode I did on this, but I want to expand on a few categories. Um, first, I want to expand on music and I'm actually going to pull up the two, um, the three platforms that I use now to kind of show you and explain how I am sifting through stuff here on my end when I am searching for music. So if you go to Artlist, Artlist seems to be currently um, one of my favorites in Soundstripe. I like Musicbed. I'm not fully invested into their subscription plan. I think it's definitely on the higher end, but they do have some amazing quality content. I will give them that. Some of their um, especially their vocal music, I always am like, wow, that's that's really, really high quality. Um, let's say, for example, the couple's wedding day did not um, contain a lot of dialogue throughout the day. There wasn't a lot of speaking. There wasn't a lot of uh, storytelling. You're For me, I'm going to be forced to use a more vocal song. I don't want to just be a, I don't want there to be just an in instrumental or something like that that just plopped behind um, the footage of the uh of the wedding of the wedding day. I want there to be some sort of ambient 
and some sort of like emotions that are that are driving from there. So first things first, I try not to just click the basic uh, playlist the options that are within Soundstripe and our list. You could start from there, which is great. I think they're great starting points, um, but kind of, you know, niche down a little bit. If they had a violinist, a violinist, um, if they had somebody playing a violin or they had a harpist there or they had maybe somebody playing a live piano, like you can ask them, like, why did you guys or why why did you choose that vendor or something like that? If they love piano, maybe try to find a song that has a piano in them. Again, guys, really just taking into account the vibe of the day. So for me, I'm going to start with one of these categories in Soundstripe. So basically, if I want and I know I have really, really strong vocals from the day, usually for me, I'm going straight to the Inspiring Cinematic playlist or the Acoustic Beauty. And then from there, I'm filtering down genre, possibly even pace, and possibly even instruments being used within the songs. And that's what I love about these platforms, guys. And I'm not even sponsored by any of these platforms. I'm just telling them about telling you guys about them because of how much I enjoy them. Um, is you can filter down into that so much, and that's what makes it amazing. With Artless, you don't they don't have I at least I haven't been able to find. They don't have like curated playlists like um, Soundstripe does, where you can literally click in Soundstripe energetic reception energetic reception footage acoustic beauty romantic vocals stuff like that and whereas artless they just have a wedding category and you kind of have to do some of that um that filtering yourself but basically what i want you guys to do and start doing is take account for the the vibe of the wedding day the vibe of the couple maybe questions that they answered in your questionnaire song suggestions that they gave you and go from there. And for me, I'm trying to pick out my two or three songs from the start and try to actually even master them together from the start. And this is rare for me. I maybe only do this two out of 10 times because I don't really always get that successful or I don't always get that lucky with songs matching and me honestly knowing exactly how I'm going to want the edit to break down. But for me, it's a great option. It's a great choice. And I think it would be for you guys too. That way you don't have to focus insanely about um, how you're going to master and, you know, you know, what you call it, um, master and blend audio together. So that is music, guys. Um, I know it can be very stressful to try to be sifting through songs for a long, long time. Um, but honestly, it's part of the job. And unfortunately, it's the one thing where we have our most flexibility on. So I'd like to take control of it as I possibly can. Next thing I want to expand on is the storytelling aspect of your edit. Um, and I think for me, this is the most crucial part. I try to value and think, okay, my first step after I've, you know, culled through all the dialogue parts, and as I try to sit and think, which pieces of these of the dialogue tell the most story about the couple and is most important to them. So maybe the speech that, you know, Josh said at the reception, the groom's best man about how awesome it was when they got drunk and went to Wendy's at 3 a.m. Isn't that crucial for them? Maybe it is that they're funny and outgoing and that's a cool story for them. Um, I find that the best speeches actually come from the rehearsal dinner because I think that they're they're there for the rehearsal. They're not there for the wedding yet, so they're not as pressed on time. And I actually do enjoy those speeches a little bit more, um, especially because they do more. So the variety is just a little bit, it's a little bit, I don't know. For me, I've always thought because they have the law of averages, because they have five, six people giving a speech rather than just the maid of honor or in the best man, um, you have a better opportunity of getting a really good speech about the couple specifically intertied with the person giving the speech as well, obviously. Um, so storytelling is huge. I basically say to myself, which portion of the dialogue is most important to the story? And I try to centralize it around that and sprinkle in everything else um, as I feel appropriate. So 
let's say they did a first look and they the, the words they said to each other during the first look were so emotional and so strong. I might open the film with that or I might even close with it as the music fades out. It's a great way to zone in on that on that audio and hear those emotions. That's the one thing with photography that sucks is you can see the emotion. You just can't hear it. So when people make films where it's just a bunch of video shots, no dialogue with a an instrumental song, and I know the lyrical song, it, it is better than the instrumental, but it's not the same as the words the couple was saying to each other on the wedding day. Whenever people ask me, what should I invest in next? Should I get this camera, this lens? Audio. Audio. Get audio for wedding films. Honestly, a lot of times it's audio and lighting. People are surprised how dramatic that can take their films from one step to the next. So really going into depth on 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 audio can help you with your storytelling ability because you have that dialogue to to explain to the viewer of your film why this couple is in love, how they met, where they met, why they love each other, the promises they're making each other for life. So use those that piece of the dialogue to to put an emphasis on them on in the wedding film rather than you know Uncle Bob's speech that doesn't really make any sort of sense to them as a couple. A lot of times too, um, you'll find that people's speeches uh, they are very centralized towards whoever they're there for. So if it is the best man, if they don't know the bride super, super well, then their speech is probably going to be a lot about the the groom. And that's fine. But And that's fine if you want to use it too. Maybe it will build up to something that can, can tie them together. But remember, the film is about them. And this is just my opinion, guys. I will always use a small portion of that speech and stuff if I can. But if it doesn't mesh with the rest of the dialogue from the day, it just won't look well or it won't it won't sound well when you're actually watching the film. So basically what I'm trying to say is with storytelling, to me it really comes down to the dialogue. It comes down to the dialogue and the shots you use to portray those emotions in that moment as they're saying it. That's all my information on storytelling, guys, um, and stuff like that. But I also wanted to expand on the couple's vibe and energy and how that how that plays an influence in their film. The the two prior things tie into this point specifically. Um, and that is you're not going to, and I've said this before, you are not going to use a party rock song if you have a couple that is crying all day, their guests are crying, everybody's like so emotional on their wedding film. And so you really got to sit down and think, what is the vibe of this couple? What's their energy? How much did they dance that night? How much did they constantly, were they, were they literally together hip to hip all night or did they venture off and talk to their own friends and stuff like that? This is crucial things that maybe we'll tell you a little bit more about them so you can understand, okay, I'm going to use a really fun Rocky Pump song or I'm going to use a more laid back song or I'm going to make the edit a little bit slower paced with more slow motion if you've shot it that way or I'm going to make it a little bit faster because they are so energetic and fun. This It's things like this that play a big role in deciding how you're going to do the wedding film um, and maybe even knowing their backstory and lead up as well. Like if they're if in their relationship, they went through a really, you know, hardship of being together, maybe long distance for a while or something, maybe emotional will play a better, a better um, factor in their film than just excitement and, and upbeatness and stuff like that. Um, so this is, these are ways that I try to um, make it specific for them. I'm trying in 2020 to take less weddings because I have found the years I have taken on less wedding films, which are a little bit more intensive for me in my end um, than, than editing a gallery. For me, I can make my couple's edits more centralized to them and more um, 
focused on their story if I'm not having to edit 50 films and I'm only having to do 25 or 30. Um, this is just an example. These aren't my actual numbers. So you'll find a lot of times that if you are overbooking, it's going to be hard to do these steps and to make and invest this time into each couple because you're thinking about the next three and four you already have to edit anyway. So you're just, how can I get this done as quick as possible? And I've said it on so many episodes, guys, in our industry, photography, videography, even digital creative, being rushed is the killer of creativity. When I have to get something done faster than ever, my mindset is getting it done fast, not getting it done perfect. You know, so for me, taking on more hurts you in the long run, guys. So honestly, think about that a little bit as you're booking weddings. Um, last thing I wanted to, to, to touch on, guys, and is, is expand on the organization as an important factor. Um, if you are not organizing your clips properly in your file, in Premiere Pro, in Final Cut Pro, it's going to be tough for you to build a storyline. It's going to be tough because you have stuff everywhere. You don't even know what you have. Please, 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 if you take anything away from this episode, it is be organized. Organization within your editing file will help you so much in the long run. I promise and guarantee you that. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today's episode. Being passionate in your edits is a crucial way to express to your couples and your future clients that you truly actually care about what you do. One tip I have is consistently creating beautiful films and don't overbook. I keep saying it, don't overbook. A lot of times we're thinking about the money and yes, we all have to survive, but often overbooking can lead to burnout, especially during busy months when many edits have to be pushed out at one time, like in November or December here in Florida. I hope you guys found today's episode helpful and I'm pumped to talk about delivery and follow-up next week. And I also want to take a moment to answer any questions you guys may have. So shoot me a DM on Instagram, reach out on Facebook with any questions you may have about wedding filmmaking over any of the two episodes I've covered so far. That way I can hit it in the third episode. Um, for me, it's great to answer your guys' questions and I really, truly do enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to connect with me on Instagram and YouTube. I post there frequently and I'm always answering questions you may have. As always, if you're loving the podcast, please leave me a review. That would be great, guys. I'm so excited to talk to you in next week's episode. Peace.